Exodus chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, but by my name Yahweh I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am Yahweh. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am Yahweh your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am Yahweh. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they would not heed Moses because of shortness of breath and cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he must let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Grass withers, flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as 4,500 years ago, 3,500 years ago in the days of Moses, so today, Many among your people can't breathe, can't hear your word because of the cruel bondage, this debilitating pain, whatever it is that they suffer under. Father, to them, you renew your promise tonight as you did in the days of Moses. Lord, help us to hear your promise. Help us to breathe. Help us to listen. Help us to speak. To not be so obsessed with the fact that our mouths are defiled and instead to seek your cleansing. Lord, we pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. who died on a cross and rose again so that your breath could come back into your people's bodies. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text is rather bleak. It begins with the people unable to hear and ends with Moses unable to speak. But in the middle, God renews His promise. As if to say, whether you can hear my promise, whether you can repeat my promise, my promise 
still stands. God's promises are superior to all circumstances, to all feelings, to all defilements, to all needs. What promises God had just made? We talked about them two weeks ago. The promise, not of pizza once a week, or a fatter welfare check. No, God's promise was of a land, an identity, to become the people of God. To live as such, to be welcomed as such, for God to keep all his promises that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, including the deliverance from Egyptian bondage. That's God's promises. Moses heard that, no doubt is inspired by that, goes and repeats the promises to the people of God. And quickly realizes that they're not listening. It's never a good feeling when you're talking to somebody, when, especially when it's a subject that means a lot to you, when you're pouring out your heart, and you start to read the signs, pay attention to the body language, see the eyes kind of off in a different direction, the feet tapping, the watch being consulted, and you say to yourself, they're not listening. They won't even notice if I stop talking right now. That's where the people of Israel were. The promises were glorious. People's ears were plugged. And the reason that the text gives is fascinating. They could not heed Moses. They would not heed Moses because of shortness of breath. Now your text in English probably doesn't say shortness of breath. The New King James here has anguish of spirit and others have similar translations too much suffering but one commentator writes it was the inward pressure caused by deep anguish that prevented proper breathing like children sobbing and gasping for their breath inward pressure caused by deep anguish that prevented proper breathing now you all know that pain can actually be stored in the body. I won't talk about that at length because it's one of my hobby topics and I don't want to overdo it, but there are certain signals that we give our bodies, that our bodies give us, that all is not well. If I have a sin that I have not confessed, there's a particular muscle in my back that tightens up. And as soon as I make that sin right, that muscle relaxes. It is the oddest thing. But there are other kinds of pains that you can stuff away into various parts of your body. And certain people have gone through and identified the lungs hold grief and things like that. But you can, in some way, shape, or form, stuff that pain into a corner of your body and then not touch that corner of your body. Maybe most interesting to me, one of my family that I knew growing up, one of their younger daughters always walked on tiptoe. I was told by the doctors eventually that she didn't want to put her feet on the ground because that would involve touching an area where she had stored pain. 
Well, there's something to this, for sure. You may know what I'm talking about, have experience of this, you may not. But this is where the people of Israel were. The pain of life under Pharaoh had gone into their lungs and they could not relax and get a deep breath. Their shortness of breath was such that they could not pay attention when Moses spoke the promises of God. Now this is a new situation. This is new, presumably as of the bricks without straw debacle in the previous chapter. Formerly, when Moses spoke to them, they heard, they were glad, they worshipped. All that's at the end of chapter 4. Now, they don't hear. They're not glad. They don't worship. They don't have the attention span to give Moses a hearing because they're too focused on getting air. Now, you don't need me to connect this text to the protests of last summer, to George Floyd's dying words, I can't breathe. I actually got a book this week from Harvard University Press on protest sermons from Pearl Harbor to Black Lives Matter, and I eagerly opened that book to see whether any cleric preached this text last summer. If so, it was not mentioned within that book. But surely... What can we take away? God's people can indeed get into a state where they can't breathe. When the circumstances that they're in render it very, very difficult for them to hear the promises of God. It's where God's people were in Moses' day. They can get there again. So if you can't breathe, if you're there, You might have a hard time listening to this sermon. The text doesn't go into that, per se, but it does certainly reiterate the validity of speaking into the life of someone who can't breathe. Moses was not a slave. There's no record anywhere in the text of Exodus of him being sent to the brick kilns, of him being driven by the taskmaster's whips to find straw in the land of Egypt and bring it to make bricks. The people of Israel could have hurled in his face, as they did in chapter 2, who made you a judge and deliverer over us? What makes you think you can speak to us? You've never been a slave. You've been free of bondage since you were three months old. Growing up in Pharaoh's house, living in freedom in Midian over on the far side of the desert, Moses, how dare you come and give these promises to us when you don't understand how we live? What gave Moses the right to come and speak God's promises to them? It wasn't his suffering. It wasn't his status as an oppressed member of an oppressed minority class. It was the fact that God had called him and said, Moses, you will deliver your people who are also my people. Don't write off the messenger. The word of God is telling us that it's okay for someone who can breathe to come alongside someone who can't and say, here is the promise of God for you. You may not be able to hear it. You may not be able to breathe at this moment. But God's promise 
stands. Right? Touch those heels to the ground. Move in such a way that you come in contact with the part of the body where you've stored your pain. Let yourself feel it so that you can hear the promises of God. Yet Moses, too, has his own set of problems. Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, I can't speak your promises. Why not, Moses? Well, first of all, the children of Israel haven't listened to me. My own people won't listen to me. Right? He came to his own and his own did not receive him. God, I can't keep talking to people who are not listening. Mothers, you ever feel that way? God, I've told these kids 10 million times. If I have to tell them one more time, I quit. I'm going to leave and go to Midian. Moses was over it. My own people won't listen. How will Pharaoh listen? Besides, I have uncircumcised lips. What is uncircumcised lips? Well, throughout the rest of the Bible, if you refer to a body part as uncircumcised, it means not consecrated to the service of God, defiled in some way. Thus, Stephen, Acts 7, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. And he's not saying they have some kind of physical disability. He's saying their ears are not dedicated to God's service. Their heart is not cleansed for God's service. As when David called Goliath the uncircumcised Philistine, God is saying, or Moses is saying, God, my lips are not consecrated to you. These lips have uttered too many salty oaths. Lord, I'm wanted for murder in a cold case. He was. Lord, I've spent my life doing other things besides serving you. Right? Have you ever been subject to moralizing from somebody you consider to be morally beneath yourself? Well, say you've got the crook in the back seat of the car and he starts lecturing you about how your taillight was out and he can't believe that you cops just don't get it together. Few things tougher to take than moralizing from someone who is obviously immoral. And that's what Moses is telling God. Lord, in the eyes of Pharaoh, in the eyes of the Egyptians, I'm obviously immoral. I can't speak well at the best of times. I do have a speech impediment. I'm the one who made you angry, God. Remember that? I'm wanted for murder here in Egypt. Yeah, they've forgotten about it, but the warrant is there somewhere in the files. My lips are uncircumcised. My lips are not dedicated to your service. I can't actually communicate God's truth in a compelling way because I say weak, wrong, unworthy things. My mouth doesn't convey spiritual power because too often I don't use it to say what you want me to say. It's Moses' protest. In fact, he repeats it down in verse 30. I am of uncircumcised lips. How shall Pharaoh listen to me? 
What a great situation. God's people can't hear. Their ears are blocked because they're so focused on getting that next breath. God's messenger can't speak. His tongue is all tied up because his lips are defiled. And he's said a bunch of stuff that he now regrets, but that makes it really impossible, right? I can't say that to them. Lord, we've already been down this road. I'm the last guy that they will take this message from. Yet in the middle of this, right, central to this little episode of God and Moses and the people, God repeats his promise. As if to say, whether you can hear it, whether you can say it, no matter how short a breath, no matter how defiled in lips, my promise stands. Go in, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he must let the children of Israel go out of his land. Yeah, Moses' lips were uncircumcised, but they were still the lips through which God communicated his promise. You may not be able to hear the words of God. You may not be able to repeat the words of God. But you can still recognize that God's promises are for people like you and can be communicated through people like you. Of course, it's not a good thing that you can't breathe. But even that can't stop God from saving. Of course, it's not a good thing if your lips are defiled. If you've said things that make you think there is no coming back, they will never take me seriously again. God's promise endures. The problem, what's the promise? Again, verses 2 to 8, your pain will end. You'll be delivered. You'll not suffer this breathtaking bondage forever. We'll start to look at the plagues in a couple of weeks, and we'll see that the ten plagues all come right in a line to show us that the Exodus is God's work. Not Pharaoh's work, not Moses' work, certainly not the people of Israel engineering their own deliverance through political, social, and economic programs. No. The Exodus is God's work. And that's what the placement of this promise reminds us. Don't put your hope in your own holiness or in your charismatic leader's ability to talk his way out of anything. Moses specifically denies having that ability. Not my eloquence, not my holiness that's going to make Pharaoh let us go. Nor, dare I say it, is it our ability to listen to sermons that's going to make us a wonderful church. Maybe we can all breathe pretty well. But if we can, and if we come, and if we listen, we can't walk away taking the credit and saying, well... We are a good sermon-hearing church. Never seen a church that listens as well as we do. Even if it's true, 
The credit belongs to the promises of God, not to our superior listening capabilities. Put your hope not in your ability to hear or your ability to speak or in my ability to speak or in some champion of the church, a John MacArthur, an R.C. Sproul, their ability to speak, that's not where it's at. It's the promises of God that won't fail. The God who continues to demand that his people be let go, that the wicked stop, turn around, and release his people. That's God's demand to Pharaoh. And that continues to be God's demand to us. To the wicked, I should say, in our own day. Let my people go. He demands that Pharaoh let his people go. Then he demands that the devil let his people go now. Right? Insofar as genuinely unjust structures are responsible for our African American friends being unable to breathe, unable to hear the word of God, God certainly demands that that stop, that his people be let go. But God's promise, his demand, is primarily to the devil. Satan, let my people go. You can't have them. Hell can't keep them. Right, that was the greatest let my people go in history. It was the exodus of Jesus out of the tomb. When death was put on notice and told, no, you're not keeping this one. And he's just the first of many that you will not keep. Let my son go. That's exactly what Moses said. Right? Israel is my son, my firstborn. Let my son go. It was God's demand to Pharaoh. It was God's demand to Satan and to death and hell on Easter Sunday. And it continues to be God's demand to all the forces of evil, to all hostile, wicked people. Let my people go. And because it's God, God is not asking. Right? He's commanding. He's demanding. Hear that truth. Believe it. I may have unclean lips. I do have unclean lips. I may not understand your suffering and your shortness of breath. I don't. But God's demand that his people be freed from Satan's bondage, from sin's bondage, continues. And it will be realized. It will come to pass. The resurrection of Jesus already shows us. The exodus from Egypt already shows us. Whether you can hear or not, whether you can talk or not, God's promise stands. Believe it. Amen. Father, we thank you that you delivered your son from death and brought him into everlasting life. We thank you that you delivered Israel from Pharaoh's bondage, that you have delivered us from bondage to sin and death. Lord, help us to live as people who have been freed from death. Help us to live 
in a way that no longer serves sin. Let us instead, Father, turn ourselves toward you. Help us to flee sin, to live as those who died to sin, and now are alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we do pray tonight for those who are unable to hear your promises due to shortness of breath. Father, we pray that your demand that they be let go would be heeded. That the forces of bondage would stop, would let them go. Father, we pray most of all, not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, the rulers, the authorities, the spiritual forces of wickedness in high places. Father, stop them in their tracks. Don't let the forces of evil oppress and rule over your people anymore. Save us, O God, we pray, and gather us from among the nations. Raise us up to new life. Quicken us, according to your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.